Welcome to the Obesity Medicine Podcast with your host, Dr. Matea Rentia, board certified in internal medicine and obesity medicine. Here, we talk about a path to metabolic health, and we have real conversations about chronic weight management and living a full life. Just a reminder, I am a physician, but I'm not your physician. So everything that's on this podcast is for informational purposes, but please go talk to your doctor about what's right for you. There is no medical advice being given on this podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today is something that I literally was just talking to a friend about this, and I decided to make an entire episode dedicated to this because this is just something that cannot continue. Often, physicians do not understand when it is appropriate or not to use these anti-obesity medications. A lot of people conventionally think of them as weight loss medications, but again, they are doing much more than that in our body. And one of the scenarios is that someone in the past will have had a bariatric surgery, whether that be usually if the timeline was longer ago, it might have been a ruin Y that someone had. If it's more recently, it will have been a sleeve. And they have had some type of of a bariatric surgery. And then years later, either the weight didn't come down all the way as expected. You know, uh, surgeons have prognostic tools where they can look at if you're starting with this constellation of medical problems and this history, what the weight loss potential could be for these surgeries. So either someone doesn't lose the weight to begin with, or they actually do lose the weight and do great, which this is more the norm, that people do lose the weight and do great, but that years later they have some regain. And this is extremely common. We're learning more and more that there are many different reasons why weight comes back. And The reality is this is a chronic medical condition. So you hear me say this all the time. This is something that for life we need to manage. And there's going to be different tools at different times. And it is very much so the standard of care nowadays that even if someone's had a bariatric surgery in the past, it really doesn't matter. We will still use these medications. More than half of my practice are patients that have had bariatric surgery in the past. Again, they lost weight. They definitely had some benefit from it, but either a lot has come back or they still need to keep going or hunger is really increased. There's a lot of different reasons. And when that occurs, it is a million percent appropriate to use a GLP-1, whether that be something that is FDA approved for weight management, such as daily Saxenda, weekly Wagovi. Again, I think soon we'll have it being FDA approved for Manjaro as well and not just for type 2 diabetes, whether that be an oral tablet, there are oral generics, there's name brand, there's many different options. But this is not just about diet and exercise, even in the post-bariatric patient. And I had a story here recently, of course, everything I'm going to keep anonymous. And it's not only this story, this one just literally made me right here after my walk this morning decide I'm just going to record this right now. We're not going to delay getting this episode out. That this person asked their physician, can I get on a GLP-1? And the physician said no, that, well, you've had surgery in the past and, well, your blood sugar isn't high and sort of gave answers that really were absolutely medically inappropriate to what the history of this person was. They a million percent qualified. There were no contraindications. Again, I'm not going to ever share people's story, but I just want to say that this this is hard to hear that that physician is misinformed with this because that person is going to get a delay in care. They're going to get a delay in care for something that potentially is going to add years to their life. Something that is shocking is 
when the BMI is really elevated, again, we know that it's not a great measure of health, but we know that if it's significantly elevated, that you are potentially losing a lot of years of your life at the end of your life. You die at an earlier age. And that is something that when I think about helping my patients, it's never about the aesthetics. I do not care at all about what I always say, shape-shifting, looking a certain way. In fact, the majority of people that come to work with me, they're just wanting to be able to get around easier in life. I just talked to Ali Novitsky the other day, and she'll be on the podcast coming up here. It's amazing what she talks about with movement. And she said, oh, one of the goals is that you can be 90 years old and still carry your groceries in the house, right? That's the kind of stuff we're after. You can get up and down off the floor. You can go walk around on a weekend at a park if you want to. It's all those functional things that your joints don't hurt all the time, that you're not having to struggle with blood pressure that can't be managed with meds or blood sugar where you're worried every day that you're going to get other secondary problems like eyesight and amputations. You're not worried about any of that because you know I'm taking great care of myself. I'm getting, I'm using modern tools potentially that can help me. And I just needed to dedicate an entire episode to this. So I want to start out with this. Everyone is not dealt the same hand genetically and environmentally and emotionally. And we could, we could go into 50 different reasons. And I like to really take the approach of no shame. I almost do not care at all the scenario that led up to it because my stance is where we're at right now, what are all the things we're going to do moving forward? I find that if you need to work with a therapist, a counselor, a psychiatrist, if there is a history of trauma, I definitely want you to do that. That's something hopefully if you're working with a weight management specialist, they're asking those questions to see what led to this weight gain. So a lot of this is going to come out, for example, I will say, you know, tell me a little bit about your weight journey. When did weight become a challenge? Uh, A lot of my patients will say, you know, I just, I noticed as I was growing up, maybe they started to enter puberty and they started to notice some weight gain or they started to have children and that happened or they got a job that was more sedentary. But every so often someone will tell me, I got a divorce and the scenario around the divorce might be something that was really traumatic for them. And after that, they put on all the weight. And so then we'll know, okay, is there some work, some healing that needs to be done there? Can I involve a mental health team to help with that? But often that was not the case. Just weight kind of slowly came on, which tells me we're dealing more with a genetic aspect here. Again, there's many different reasons that weight can come on. So often I will get down to what those things are by asking about a weight history. Tell me a little bit what it's looked like for you. And people know what the highlights are. They're not sitting there and telling me 20, 30 minutes what their weight history looked like. Within a minute or two, they're telling me because you've said the story to yourself so many times. So often when people have had bariatric surgery, you have tried everything up to that point. It was not a light decision for you to decide to actually go and get this surgery. So a lot of people think, okay, great, then everything's going to be solved after that. You might have seen stories online of people that they got the surgery and they and everyone's doing these before and after things, which I just don't like before and after pictures. I think it it idealizes, look, this is what you can look like at the end of it. And it's not showing you either what they're doing day to day or what it looked like or what they're having to continue to do. It's not really giving you the full picture, but they're seeing all that and then When they get the surgery, then they're usually afterward not getting great follow-up care. So usually for about a year or two, bariatric clinics have the capacity to take care of patients. And then rarely I get patients where they still yearly are following up with that surgeon's clinic. Usually there might be 
some type of provider in that clinic that is seeing annually them and making sure that the full comprehensive labs are checked. So that is great, but that is not the norm. I can tell you that. It's usually really not the norm. And there's lots of shame associated with this. So let's say if if you have lost a lot of weight with surgery and then you gain some back, number one, this is usually quite normally seen. So people achieve, and this is seen with all weight loss, you lose weight down to this one point, and then usually there's a little bit of a dip up and it doesn't mean that all the weight's going to come back, but most people usually don't stay at that at that lowest that they're at. It's usually a few pounds up where they settle. Again, assuming that that's your maintenance weight. Helping people through that part, there's just a lot of phases to weight loss and helping people to see this, and that's one aspect. But the other aspect is, again, sometimes slowly weight gain can recur, and you might even still be doing all of the great habits, and yet the weight's coming back on. Sometimes people know, okay, my habits have been slipping, and it is a simple is just talking to a dietitian, making sure that they're getting their protein in and doing that. But sometimes they are doing those things and yet they can't either stop the regain or continue to be going on the journey when they hadn't made as much success as they wanted to in the first place. When those things are occurring, I really want to recommend that if you can go back to the bariatric team, amazing. Again, we always want to make sure that there's not sometimes a revision that's needed or something that is actually surgically incorrect. They can help with all of that. That is usually the exception and not the norm. But again, that's always a helpful first place. Another really helpful place is to talk to a weight management specialist. And I would venture to say that if you have a physician where they will not even entertain talking to you about why it is or is not appropriate to be on the GLP-1s, and by the way, it's not an acceptable answer that your blood sugar is normal and that you've had a surgery in the past. Those are just, those are not acceptable reasons because there are so many other indications to be on the medications. It needs to be comprehensively taken into account. So if they're not able to have that conversation with you and you have a more complex history of having had a surgery, I would really recommend seeking out a weight specialist. Often those are going to be physicians that have the American Board of Obesity Medicine board certification, A-B-O-M. If you go to abom.org, that is a website where they list physicians that are board certified in this area. You can search by state. You can search out if there's someone that can take you on locally. There are also a lot of telehealth services where this is their specialty, where they only see patients for weight management. The histories are very focused on this. I'm not going to give names for these telehealth services because there's a wide range of different physicians and providers that are at these services. And I think some are better than others. And again, by state, it's going to vary too, even within the same clinics because there's different physicians in all the spaces. So there's lots of variation within this. But again, speaking to someone where you feel like they actually fully understand your history and it makes sense what is coming at you. The thing I want to normalize here, this is not me putting down primary care physicians or anything like that. I did not know all of these things until I went and did more education. When you're in primary care, you are staying up to date on many different things. I remember when I was in primary care, every single day reading one or two journal journal articles. I was part of a lot of uh, different podcasts, continuing medical education so I could listen in the car. You are constantly keeping on top of things. But what I want you to understand is that weight management is actually an entire specialty because a lot of physicians, I'm going to give you an example. 
the intake that I do with patients, they already have filled out 16 pages worth of intake. Don't let that scare you. But I want to know what their weight journey is. I want to know what they've tried. I want to know about their eating patterns. I want to know about if they're going out to eat. I want to ask probing questions for sleep apnea, for binge eating disorder. There are so many things that I want to dig into and you haven't even talked to me. Then we still spend an hour. Then I often still have not even gotten to the treatment part yet. It's just me understanding the past. Sometimes the first month I meet with people twice because I can't get to everything in the first moment. My point is this. There's no way that a comprehensive weight management history and all of those kind of things, unless you've known your primary care doctor for a while or you really don't have a lot going on, things like that, it's often hard for them to be able to help you with all these things. So if you have a primary care doctor that can do that, amazing. They're great. There are many out there. But if not, there is no problem with seeking out an obesity medicine specialist. You don't even have to have obesity, right? This is all based on BMI criteria, things like that. Even if you're someone that is in the lower weight range, but you're struggling, again, there are there's so much that goes into this area. It's really about health promotion at the end of the day. If you need that help, please seek that out because Otherwise, you are potentially not getting life-saving help. And I hope that this changes one day. I hope that is much more understood who does and does not qualify. I hope that coverage is increased. I hope for all of these things for everybody. But I can't tell you how life-changing it is for people that have had bariatric surgery, if they continue to need help afterward, that it's becoming the standard of care that maybe a GLP-1 gets added on there or another option. I just wanted to record this today to hopefully really hit that point home. I know this won't be applicable to everyone, but if you're in that camp, please know that I would talk to a physician about this to see if this is a tool that's helpful for you. Again, there are many different reasons why you would or would not use it, and I want a physician to go over that with you, but oftentimes I just hear the logic that was given from the doctor. It's clear to me that this is not someone that has been up to date with continuing medical education probably within the past five years. And things in medicine move very quickly. So hopefully this is helpful to you. If you know someone that this episode would be helpful for, please share it with them. I feel like we need to get this information out so that people get the medical care that they deserve. All right. Have a great rest of the week.